to Bourbon Barrel Talk. I'm your host, Scott Minton. Today, we are visiting with Mr. Tyler Mert. He is the Barrel Procurement Manager for Old Forester. I guess that's a good title. And then uh, Josh Hillman sitting with me today. So how's it going, Tyler? It's going great. Happy to have you guys. Happy to have some in-person bourbon connection. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So did, did I get the title right? I know you said you're a sommelier and all those other fancy things, but your actual title here at Old Forester, did I get that right? Here on the, yeah, I'm the single barrel host. Single barrel host, okay. Uh, so I'm the one who leads all our clients who would like to come visit the distillery. I'll lead them through our drilling of barrels and the selection process. Uh, classically, right now it's all being done virtually, which has its ups and downs, but it's been kind of cool. We've found new ways to utilize that platform uh, if you are a bourbon club or whatnot, we found that you can invite other members to log on to the, in, to the tasting and, you know, they may not be able to taste, but they can go to the chat feed and ask questions and you can have 60 or so people on there. So there are, there are some advantages uh, right. during so, these weird times. So when you do it virtually, do you just send them out like a three, seven, five bottle and they can divvy them up amongst however they want to or something like that? Yes, that's correct. We'll we'll send you three samples, and however many are going to be involved in the tasting gets divvied up between them. And I will get on there, and you know it's not my job in the first place to pick the selection for you, but I kind of lead them through my tasting process, give them my tips and tricks that might help them, you know, pull out some additional flavors or aromas and whatnot, and then uh, come to an ultimate conclusion. There you go. That sounds pretty interesting and cool. That's something something I'd, I'd love to do. It's not a bad gig. But I, I don't have the, A, I don't have the, the smell to do this. You know, I, I catch a few things, but like some guys I know, they're, they're super like, I get leather and pipe tobacco and, you know, they start and going through why, all these things. Why would you want to drink dressed. those things, leather and pipe tobacco? <clears throat> they actually have very tasty, you know, profiles, you know, when you get the smell in them, but it's... It's just weird. I, I don't pick up those things. I guess my palate's not that sophisticated. I'm not a, I'm not a master taster. So uh. I'm no no master taster or master smeller, but I am an old faux fanboy. So if you see me panting a couple times today while we're here, just know that I love the juice. <laughs> That's exactly well, right. Thank you, man. You're in good company. That's good awesome. deal. Good deal. So hey, if you if you don't mind, uh, we 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 tried a couple of different things already. You you were kind enough to bring out a bottle of uh, President's Choice. We'll talk a little bit more about that later. And then we had a uh, some uh, a special project that you guys did for the Louisville Fire Department or the Firefighters Club, and it was a uh, a sample that you had from one of the barrel strength barrels that you all did for that. So. I, I thought that was a cool story when you were kind of telling us a little bit about that before we got started. So if you don't mind, tell us a little bit about that first. Yeah, I'll elaborate. And first off, uh, the apartment that we are sitting in is right next door to the distillery. And for those of you who may not have been to the distillery and been able to visit us yet, this this whole thing almost never happened. Old Forester has, it's a 150-year brand. We're, we're celebrating our 150th anniversary uh, this year but we never had a home place we never had a place to share our story and in 2015 the whole kind of storefront here on whiskey row caught fire and the distillery was supposed to open spring of 2017 and that got delayed by a whole year but the fact that the fire was put out and our 
brave and heroic firefighters were able to stop it is the whole reason that we were able to continue with these plans of building our distillery and being able to uh, get Old Forest our a home place finally. So to honor that, when we were transitioning to the hunter proof and barrel proof single barrel program, uh, Jackie decided that the first barrels of hunter proof and barrel strength were going to honor the four, four of the firehouses that responded and saved our building. So had the privilege of uh, sitting with Jackie and tasting with four, the four fire departments that responded to this fire and saved our building. So they each selected a hunter proof and a barrel strength. And those were to be the first hunter proof and barrel strengths released of Old Forester ever. All the proceeds are going to go, will continue to go to the fire department. Of course, the whole pandemic thing hit and whatnot. So we're going to do that at a later date. But just the whole overall story, uh, the barrels that they were selecting, the fire was July 7th of 2015. And the, those were the barrels that they selected from. So as these guys were putting out the fire and saving our building, those barrels were being filled over in Shively. So it was just this whole cyclical kind of thing. And, you know, we'll, we'll get there. We'll, uh, we're going to have our firefighters back into the building as soon as we can and let them, let them select our barrel. But just an amazing group of guys. You had guys that had gotten blown through walls in an explosion. They were on the roof in the news feeds that you saw. Uh, pretty amazing. Yeah, no, absolutely. I have nothing but respect for our, our, our fire departments and police departments and, and things to that nature. You know, it, when most people are trying to get out of a building, they're going in it. So uh, you, you got to appreciate people that, 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 that do those type of things. So. So you let us try a sample of that and the, the firefighter, one of the barrels, barrel proof. And I told you before that I'm a, a huge single barrel, old forester, single barrel fan. And the only thing I've had to date has been the 90 proof, which I love the variety of them. But this one had a great nose to it. But then you go and you, you sample it, you taste it, and it's in your mouth and you're swishing it around just the flavor that's popping out of that thing a little bit of mouth burn but then you know going down there is no afterburn whatsoever it is just a smooth bourbon yeah no absolutely and it's funny because you know josh does not like barrel strength like we we, we take him out we we're working on his palate you know things like that he my, loves my palate is just fine it <laughs> loves old forester shut up <laughs> Yeah. yeah, Josh is a he's a perennial old forester and, and turkey guy. So, uh, and there's nothing wrong. They're both great products, you know. But Absolutely. I always I always tease him. I, I like the hot stuff, you know. If the hotter it is, the better. So. And you pulled out a couple of things today. You wanted to to bring just a sample, and I have tried a few of those, and just immediately said, I'm not touching those. <laughs> That's exactly right. Exactly right. Well, I'm glad you liked the barrel strength, not being a, a barrel proof fan, and you know. Rule number one is drink it how you like it. Uh, but I, I have found we're already getting great feedback at Barrel Proof in that it is amazing how smooth it is. It, it, you have heat, you have spice, but it all kind of stays above your collarbone, if you will. It doesn't yeah. go all the way down like some of the others out there. So That's yeah. a great way to describe it because that is exactly how it was. And it was enjoyable. 
yeah, it had a nice clean finish, right? It didn't it didn't burn, you know, all the way down in, and and, and it gives you enough strong finish that it kind of goes down the back end of your tongue and then just kind of dissipates into just nice pop of flavor, you know, and a, like I told him, you know, well, like we said, you know, the caramel and the vanillas and, you know, it had a lot of rich, the sweet flavors. And, and that's one of the things that we, we both like about Old Forester is the fact that, you know, you can get a little bit of a sweeter palate and, and some of the most recent picks that we've really, really enjoyed have been kind of more on the fruity side, like the, the orchard, honey orchard, and then the honey orchard cherry picker. So yeah, I mean the, the versatility of our mash bill and our yeast, especially our yeast is very fruity, uh, banana forward. So you always get the fruit up front, but then the higher rye content, you get these beautiful spice notes in the back. It's a very balanced, uh, equation between our mash bill and our yeast strain, I think. We were talking a little bit before about how awesome the honey orchard pick was. And I got at least two bottles at home still. And that last bottle is going to be highly coveted by me that, you know, at some point I'm not going to let friends drink any of that one because it's going to be all for me. You know, sometimes you got to be just a little selfish, you know, when you, when you find a really, really good pour, it's, 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 it's hard to sometimes um, watch the bottle empty out. You know, I've had a couple of, you know, the first bottle of GTS I ever opened up, it was one of those things that was special and I drank it and we drank it with, you know, just parties and friends and I always had it with friends. And then as it started to narrow down to the bottom, I was like just kind of hoarding it, you know, until I could get to the very, very bottom by myself. And now I've got two more bottles. Um, the, so I'm going to crack one of those open here soon with a special occasion with a group of buddies and we'll just kind of start drinking it again. And then knowing that I have that backup and cause they're so hard to get. So, Tyler, I told you the Honey Orchard's my favorite single-barrel pick I've had so far. Do you have one that has kind of held that place for you? A single-barrel? Man, Honey Orchard is up there, and you're in good company. I specifically remember, I think, I believe Jackie was out of town, and we we were, were releasing Honey Orchard that morning, and they called me, like, you have to do the tasting notes, and I I tasted honey orchard and I texted Jackie and I was like, Oh my God, this is insane. Have you, and I stupidly asked, have you tried this? She's like, of course I tried it. I picked it. But, um, yeah, honey orchard is definitely up there. I am excited how we're kind of transitioning with the master taster selections. These are, these are single barrels that Jackie hand selects, which is kind of an interesting process in that, uh, all old forester it's all the same mash bill we only make we only make one whiskey but the versatility again of our mash bill and our yeast strain and our maturation process allows us to do eight different expressions not including single barrels so if you know there are barrels that are lighter fruity floral maybe that goes into the next batch of 1870 you know, more robust, spicy backbone. Maybe that's the next 1897 or 1920, whatnot. But it's, it's you know, these barrels that are coming to maturity in that four to six year range when Chris or Chris Morris, our master distiller, or Jackie, our master taster, is walking through the warehouse and they find these barrels that may not fit one of the core profiles, but they have this unique personality unto themselves. That's what, you know, it's what we send over here and set aside for single barrel. And out of those, that's what Jackie is selecting when one just really hits her over the head and is like, wow, this is something totally unique, totally, totally special within our flavor wheel that she sets aside for the master taster selection. So they're all 
completely unique. So the master taster selection, the, the barrel or the bottles that end up with MTS on them as they're going out the door, are those all going out the door here at the distillery or are those going out in market and you're able to find them other places? No, they, they are going out here at the distillery. There, there is a law where we cannot sell, I think, 100% of the barrel here at one. So, you know, a few cases might go out to local distributor partners, whatnot. But, no, that's just like any distillery does. We, that's the fun part of having a home place and a retail shop. Those are the barrels that when you come out here, you come to Kentucky and you want something unique. Hopefully we have a master taster selection in stock that day and you can get something that you're never going to find anywhere else. I love them. So with that being said, and here we are still in the middle of this COVID crap, do you think uh, you guys are going to open up where I can regularly come in here and get a master taster selection? Oh man, that that's the question of the year, really. Um, we have we've been trying. We are we are making progress towards at least opening retail first. That's probably the plan. And then I think uh, when we do reopen to the public, it will be in a limited capacity, maybe tastings only. We're not going to be rolling through the whole production facility again uh, just to try and keep everybody safe as safe as possible until we it is safe but uh, you know as Campbell said we're in no hurry in that whiskey takes four years to mature so we're in no hurry to you know put people at risk but keeps changing day to day you know we're we're working towards it you guys were I think we had planned to sit out on the platform months ago and do this podcast and Scott, you know, had to keep pushing me like, can we get in the building? Can we get in the building? Nope, got pushed back. Nope, got pushed back. So uh, happy that we were able to get you guys out here at least next door to the facility. But as to we're just going to do it when we feel it's appropriate and when it's safe. And and that's the best way to go about it. You know, like I said, and I hated to be a pest. I wasn't, hopefully I wasn't too much of a pest. But it, it's one of those things where, you know, like I said, Josh is a massive fan. I'm a huge fan. Um, we, we, we just really wanted to be able to, to get in here, have a conversation. And honestly, I, I was, I was kind of shocked that they would let us come in and have a conversation. It's one of those things where, uh, the larger the company gets, sometimes the, the longer the red tape gets or different things like that. But you're all, your, your group was great. And speaking of, you know, just great in general, like when you all did open retail back up and things like that, the curbside stuff, like I, I've it's just super efficient. You pull up, they're like, what's your name? They bring out your bottle. And heck, the, the first time I came to do a, a pickup, they actually brought me out some Majeskas, which was like a little extra bonus. So it's one of those really, really nice things where, you know, it's just the, a first class act, you know, just in general, you know, quick, fast, um, professional, you know, I've done curbside three times myself, so I don't think you guys have had that many Fridays you've actually done curbside, so I've probably been right there most of them. Yeah, I and that that was the first thing that we got the go ahead, the green light to do curbside service. So you if if you are local at least sign up for our email list and every every week an email goes out and that is the selection of the week. Uh, definitely get on board now because now we are beginning to release the new old Forester barrel proof and so proof single barrels off air. Can you tell me what time those get released <laughs> so that the crowd doesn't know, but I don't have to be on my, my phone hitting up old Forester.com refresh, refresh, refresh. <laughs> yeah. Especially 
because you asked to be on air. There's no way. <laughs> but no, I, I really love my job, so I'm not gonna. I'm just kidding with you. Not gonna put it in harm's way. No, absolutely. You definitely shouldn't. Let me ask you a question. So you referenced 150 years a little while ago. Is uh, is there anything we should be expecting to see? special come out of old forester with a 150 year anniversary this year i mean yeah and i i can speak to that because it was you know we did the press release for it uh of course you guys the bourbon geeks especially almost know more than we do these days with the ttb websites and you know labels coming out but that was really kind of the bummer for me is 2020 was going to be it was all set to be a banner year from a, for us this was going to be like our beatles white album we had derby coming up we were transitioning to uh, the hunter proof and barrel proof single barrels and on top of that we had our 150th anniversary bottle coming out and then it just all fell flat so we had the firefighters uh you know so much to look forward to just in this three to four month span and then it all went away but no we are we are still looking forward to celebrating our 150th anniversary if it be at 151 that's one year better than 150 so we'll figure something out but uh yes you can look forward we we look forward to celebrating with our fans and you know with our customers that have gotten us here after 150 years and stuck with us so that that is something to look forward to i again i just wish i could tell you when but do we know what uh, what kind of expression it's going to be the 150 year bottle i can't exactly release that but i can tell you it's it's gorgeous it is a throwback to the original bottle you know of old forester the bottle is just wicked looking uh and it's a very special selection that uh campbell and chris and jackie threw together actually it's three different batches so there's going to be three different ones so are they going to be served at barrel strength or are they going to be like 90 hundred proof or yeah they're god i almost forget it's been so long since we were focusing on that and i've been just doing focused on the uh, 100 proof and barrel strength but no it's a little higher proof i i want to say it's 100 yeah, I thought that that's what I read, but I just yeah. wanted to get clarification because it's been a while since I actually looked at that release whenever uh, they, they, you know, made the press release on sure. that. So I wasn't 100% certain. So I kind of skipped this at the beginning. It's usually what I typically ask people to get started. But, you know, how, how did you get into the bourbon industry or into the spirits industry? And, you know, how did you come about to, you know, doing what you're doing here at Old Forster? Well, uh Started out, I've been in the wine and spirits industry for 15 years now. Uh, I am a sommelier by trade. I've been a psalm for the last 12 years. Uh, I think that was 2008. So uh, when I got certified as a sommelier, and, you know, my mentor through that program got me involved in teaching wine classes and things like that, which morphed into teaching spirits classes and beer classes as, as those grew in popularity. So kind of gained an affinity for you know anything booze and really it wasn't it's not the alcohol it's the my three favorite subjects in school were history geography and science and as soon as i started studying these things realized that you know the booze industry it it incorporates those three things and it is the history of humanity essentially so 
it was something that was very intriguing to me, maybe the first thing I really enjoyed studying, so I just kind of kept doing it. Uh, throughout my career, I was, able, I was in retail for a good seven years, uh, a very large big box store in, in Tulsa, Oklahoma, which is where I was um, not from there, but I was there about 12 years and was lucky enough to be selected as I was on the barrel selection team, the single barrel selection team for the Oklahoma market. So there were eight to 10 of us who would come out here once or twice a year, roll around to all the distilleries and pick a single barrel or two or three at each one of them back when you could get one or two or three. So uh, what big box store was that? It was called Park Hills. Park, Park Hills. Hills South. Yeah. The only reason I'm asking is I got a really good friend of mine. And, well, actually, it's my cousin that lives just outside of Oklahoma City, and I think it's Edmond. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he's always like, what do you, you talk about these store pick things all the time. So I wanted to be able to give him a place where that does that type of thing. So Park Hills, so I'll know that. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, that was always a great time, and I got – to do the single barrel selection process at each of the distilleries, see how they ran it. Uh, turned out that our families, you know, my family ended up in Nashville. My wife's ended up in Indianapolis. And, you know, we wanted to be closer as everybody kind of gets up there in years and whatnot. So we, in 2016, we decided to pull the plug and Louisville happened to be right in between those two cities and we knew we loved it. We had been out here many times on the barrel selection trips and whatnot. Uh, great food scene. You got bourbon, you got horses. It's, it's still kind of a small town. So, and you know, I thought for certain with my credentials, I could, I could just roll in here and get a job anywhere. And so we, we moved here blind. We didn't have a job. I kind of the cool thing is I had had my eye on Old Forester for since about 2014, 2015, when I f found out this whole thing was going on. And I was like, you know, I knew the story because I'm a nerd. But at that time, you know, Old Forester was still kind of like grandpa's bourbon at my at my retail store. You know, no one no one really knew the history or knew the quality. So I had my eye on this and figured, you know, they're open in summer of 17, might be good. And then the fire happened. So we picked up and moved here anyway. I think I applied to every distillery that had some job that, you know, even was uh, in my wheelhouse. And it is, I will tell you, very hard to get into the bourbon industry. These jobs are highly coveted. No one leaves. Uh, it. I had to scratch and claw my way in. I became the wine director for a year and a half for uh, Liquor Barn, which is a large retail um, conglomerate with 17 locations, 19 out actually now here in Kentucky. But, you know, I figured if this is where we're going to live, this is where we're going to stay, wine is great beer is great but it's just not where the show is no in in kentucky so uh, when old forester finally did open up i just took the plunge i happy to say man i took a 60 percent pay cut the first year i got in here but i just knew i had to do something to get my foot in the door and that it would probably work itself out once they you know realized the other things I had to offer given my history in the wine and spirits industry and my palate and whatnot. And, and man, luckily it worked out and, uh, just happy to be here and 
how it's, been did, a, it's been a wild ride. How did you train that palate to be the palate that somebody would want? That is a good question. Uh, fortunately, you know, I had I had the wine background, and it just involves practice and tasting. Uh, the best so I advice. Need to, I need to drink more. The best advice. Well, you need more glasses. Uh, the best advice I could give any anyone trying to develop their palate is side by side comparison. Uh, do not taste one thing now and then taste another thing tomorrow night. You need you need uh, perspective. It's it's almost like a paint swatch. You know, if you look at a light yellow paint color on this wall on Monday and then I repainted it another light yellow color that is on the paint swatch next to it at the Home Depot and you came in next Thursday, you would not notice a difference. But when you get them side by side, just like a paint swatch, you start to notice that, okay, this is this, this is this, this is this. And it puts it in perspective. It gives you relief. And that is really the only way to develop your palate is side by side tasting. Do it whenever you can. Do it with friends. Um, Sounds like I need to get to work. I'm going to. <laughs> and we, then, you know, smell. I mean, smell apples and fruits and, you know, wine. You hear wet stones and shit like that. You know, just smell smell whatever you can. Your taste is 70% smell, so develop that nose. So it sounds like you've drank a lot of stuff over the years. It, it, is, there a, is bourbon your favorite, or is it like you have another, like, dirty secret, like, you know, I really, really love Don't wine. say vodka. Don't say vodka. <laughs> No, definitely not vodka. I've, I've, I've taught a lot of vodka classes, you know, with the different grains and whatnot. Bourbon has always been a favorite. Uh, tequila, mezcal, sotol, I'm a tequila fanatic. Uh, I think it's as diverse and complex as scotch. Uh, so, and, uh, you know, I, I like my, my, my scotches, my Irish whiskeys, being in retail and managing beverage programs for so long, it, it wasn't necessarily my job to have favorites. I had to, my job was to know the differences in each category. Well, this gin is going to be this, and this gin is going to be this. So tell me what you're looking for, and I can guide you this way, whether it's gin, vodka, tequila, whatever. So, and, you know, that's kind of how I developed my palate is, okay, I need to know about these five major gens so let's side by line them up side by side taste them and figure out how we can convey the differences to you if you walk into my store or whatever so it just kind of uh, sprang from there and grew into classes okay let's do a gin class let's do a sake class whatever um, but it, again it all goes back to that side by side tasting and bourbon is in the at the top of my list i would say bourbon and tequila are my two biggest uh biggest vices uh, i kind of got burned out on the wine you uh you taste 20 25 wines a week for 10 years uh you know i still love it but now it's kind of a food only thing i i was happy to get here to kentucky and get into something a little different right we actually did about a month and a half ago i think we did a uh, a sample, uh, a podcast where we did three Old Forester single barrels and three Buffalo Trace single barrels. And I, I, was, I think I listened to that one. Yeah. I was pleasantly surprised with myself for picking out all three of the Old Forester. Now, I couldn't get... You are the, definitely a fan. Yeah, I couldn't get the which one was which pick, 
but I was able to pick out the three that were old foe versus the three that were Buffalo Trace. Patted myself on the back, and then I drank a little too much that night. And it, you know, <laughs> continued because I think they poured me one of those hazmats without telling me what they poured me. Aha! Uh-huh. Right. But I was I was surprised and pleased, and I want to go back and I want to do that, but try some of just the old foes side by side. You know, the Honey Orchard, the Cherry Picker, the Gallenstein, and the Distillery Edition. I want to go back and try some of these and really sample the difference of them just back to back to back. So. Yeah, I mean, and again, that's a great way to de- develop your palate and sounds like you you've you've honed in you know buffalo traces is also a favorite of mine especially at that under 25 dollar price point old forester and buffalo tracer stupid good i'm i don't think you can beat it but um yeah that's kind of a congrats man that's it, your palate can't be too bad w- w- with all fairness he guessed it off color which was the more nah. impressive part for me i, I just sit there and i was like <laughs> I, I kind of knew which ones they were because I poured them, but my wife was the one that mixed them all up and everything else and brought them out. And I just remember, I remember distinctly that the old Foresters were just a just a touch darker than the Buffalo Traces were. So I, I did actually pick them by color first, but that was a, just a wild ass guess, and it was nothing more than that because I had never paid attention to the color of them. And then I went and tried them, and I very clearly knew what I didn't like, which was the Buffalo Trace. And it's not bad; it's just not my thing. He's not a big rye guy, and I like high rye stuff, so sure. it's a little bit different. But I still prefer, you know, an old Forester single barrel over a Buffalo Trace single barrel, just because I like the variety of flavor for me. But a lot of the Buffalo Trace store picks, and, and not that I don't like them or enjoy them, it's just you get a lot of that rye bomb up front, and then sometimes you just they they lose a little bit on the backside. So I do believe that's why Jasnoff didn't come tonight because he was afraid he was going to try more old Forester find out how much better it is than the Buffalo Trace he loves and not be able to go back to it. Well, there's so much versatility in that Buffalo Trace, you know, blend. I mean, it's what Stag Jr. comes off of. I mean, there's lots of other good things that are just crazy good products that come out of that. So, Oh, yeah. And, you know, I don't uh, – I was very fortunate back in the day before he was a uh, cult celebrity to – you know, Freddie was the one that used to do our barrel picks and tours and everything out at Buffalo Trace. He is uh, just an absolute icon and one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. Um, you know, so I don't typically talk bad about any distilleries where it's kind of a cool, unique, con- you know, camaraderie that we have. We're, we're in competition, but it, it's very cool. Everyone's very much in it for the greater good. So hundred um, percent. Yeah, it's a really cool they're all good, and Jasnoff and I just have this back and forth about how much of a fanboy I am here and love Old Forester. And so that was our side-by-side because he wanted to, to, to try to get me to enjoy it. And I just, just differences, and everybody likes different things, and none of them are bad. They're just not my jam. Absolutely. No, it's all, it's all personal, very. Yeah, because me and, and, and I've – as much as I, I love Four Roses, I love a lot of the Buffalo Trace products and things like that. The more um, Four Roses that I drink, you know, and, and the different variety of recipes, and that comes a lot from yeast. It's just, they just add a ton of variety as well. So it's one of those weird things that everybody's got a different palate, and you tend to find a lot of things that you like about different things. So I just saw you take a drink of the President's Choice Barrel Number 3. You want to tell us a little bit about it? 
I am, uh, I'm still breathing, uh, just enjoying this finish. So yeah, the, the guys brought some, some unique fun things. And I figured since I was unable to procure them a, uh, we did the first release curbside pickup of old Forester single barrel barrel proof today and I was unable to procure them a bottle so I thought I'd bring something else special so I brought an unopened uh, president's old forester president's choice number three which we're on I think selection 15 now uh, great story if you I can you know elaborate on it president's choice harkens back to the 50s and 60s when uh, the president of old forester would personalized labels and send them to business partners and whatever, whoever they thought was deserving. And it was, it was a great tradition. You still see bottles surface that are addressed to an individual. Sometimes they're empty. Sometimes they're unopened, which is crazy cool. And so wait, 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 have you ever tried one of the ones that were around? I have not. I have not. You can well, there's just something to me about old dusties, like the oh yeah, getting a get a, getting a try a bottle. Like I I just found a bottle of I.W. Harper, mm-hmm. and it's a 1964 bottle. So I, I'm trying to talk the guy out of it. It's been sitting on his counter in his office for like 40 something years. You know, his dad had it before him, and their biz, family business. And I'm just like, what do you want for that bottle? Yeah, man, that's that's where the Justins come in too. You know, every every. Justin sells a bourbon. They'll get their hands on some fun stuff like that. So need to need to go hang out with them a little more. But yeah, it's just a great story in that the way I understand it, Old Forester did not have a Brown family member as as its president for a number of years, and the president's choice just kind of fell by the wayside. And then when this whole thing was getting ready to happen, we now have Campbell Brown at the at the helm who is unbelievable uh brown family member and he is our he's our president and jackie convinced him to reinvigorate this president's choice program so uh, it's it's something we've we've relaunched since reopening the home place here and you know jackie will kind of uh as Campbell says, she makes it idiot proof for him. So she'll select uh, five or six barrels and give him samples, and he takes them to his basement over a weekend and spends some time with them. Comes back to him, and he decides what is going to be the next president's choice. And you know, we we release five, six a year, somewhere in there, and they're only released in Kentucky. So this is something that's. In fact, even more rare than birthday bourbon, it's it's a single barrel that Campbell selects, and they are uh, they're all delicious. Campbell tends to have a bit of a sweet tooth, so they're they're you know more of that viscous maple, toffee, caramel, vanilla driven driven uh, profile, but uh, always fun, always delicious, and something special. Yeah, five, six, and seven were probably my three favorite that I've tried. So I've not, I'm not sipped on this one yet. I'm still getting the nose, and I'm letting right. it breathe the hair before I get into it. So the first, first drink of this one was a little bit of burn, a little bit of afterburn for me. But the second go at this, just very complex, very full of flavor, strong caramel notes in it. Yeah, definitely big caramel. 
So do you do you do you have a favorite baby that's in the old Forrester lineup, and then then we'll even broaden it and say, do you have a favorite baby in the Brown Foreman lineup, and then the third one is what's your favorite baby outside of the family? Oh man, that I could get long winded on that with within the old Forrester portfolio within the core portfolio. You know, being given my wine background, I. I tend to take it way too far. So I will say that our, our hundred proof signature 100 is, is like my everyday go-to, uh, again, one of those that for under 25 on the shelf, it's very, very hard to beat out there. Um, 1910, our double oat, we released October of 2018, just caught the world on fire. We sold out in three months and I had to wait another nine, eight months, nine months until we re-released. I really like the the depth that it has, but it's so light on its feet. It's these beautiful green apples mixed with this deep, dark char and kind of salted caramel thing going on. So 1910, if you know I had my way, that would be more of my spring and summer drinker. And then moving into fall and winter, 1920 or the 1897 bottled and bond which has a lot more deeper spice tones to it but 1920 for me the higher proof the these rich deep chocolatey notes that it it brings forth it's dessert in a bottle um and it gives you that nice warm fuzzy feeling all over so uh, you know those are within the within the old forester portfolio um, within Brown Foreman, um, obviously probably biased to, uh, to old foe in that, in that same vein, uh, you know, our, our brothers over at Woodford make great stuff. The new Woodford double oaked, uh, is, is again, one of my favorites. Again, just that whole thing, 1910 Woodford double oaked is a story that originated right next door here and that the building had a fire in 1910 they couldn't bottle up the whiskey so they that whiskey they were about to bottle up went back into barrel for two years or more while they made the repairs and we inadvertently created the first double oak bourbon back in 1912 1913 whenever it was released so that's something that's kind of near and dear to our hearts is the double oaked and took whatever 90 years for it to come back to life so i i do like our double oak woodford's double oak just the whole story behind that you know what i like about woodford if i'm doing a single barrel pick out there is part of it's distilled in shively part of it's distilled in those iconic copper pot stills out at out at lebron grammar what's now woodford and it's really cool you can tell when you are doing a single barrel tasting, if they roll out a barrel that came off the pot stills, they have this gorgeous, like flowing chocolatey Irish whiskey kind of tone to them. Uh, and that's probably my favorite Woodford and my other favorite Brown Foreman product is, is fun things. When you, when you go out and pick a Woodford single barrel, you get something fun like that. I want to say last year the Louisville Bourbon Club put out a Honey Barrel Woodford Double Oaked. <laughs> that bottle was killer. I drank that thing so quick I didn't know what to do with it. 
and, and it had everything. I mean, it had that enormous flavor profile. Yeah. Uh, that double oak just released so much more flavor from that. Amazing. So I, I can absolutely see what you would love there. So yeah, I, I'm right there with you. So of the of those products, I'm a big double oak fan, but I really, really like the double, double oak. Um, yeah. The, the only thing that's disappointing for me is that you can't get it barrel strength. Like I like stuff hot, you know, um, but uh, selfishly and weird, you know, I, I guess because I like the higher proof stuff, the King of Kentucky, you know, that came out the last couple of years. I mean, just killer. Oh my gosh. Some of the, some of the samples I've tried of that and I've, I think I've tried three different ones and all of them were just great in their own way. I mean, and they were just so different even, you know, they were nothing like the others. So it's just really different whenever you have a product that's basically the same one, but you know, Chris did just such a brilliant job, I guess him and did, did Jack, you work on that project as well? Or do you know, or no Woodford is all, is all Chris and Elizabeth. Gotcha. And Chris kind of bounces back and forth and then really, uh, old Forester has been Jackie's pet, you know, her, her baby. And that's been from the last two, if not three, releases of Birthday Bourbon through 1910 and uh, subsequently Rye, which, I mean, she's just hitting home runs everywhere she swings, which has been awesome to see. Not going to disagree with you. So outside the family. And Honey Orchard, of course. So outside the family, what, what's the, what's the, what's your go-to? Man, that is a tough question. Like I said, I'm a, I'm a big bourbon fan. I, in the past, again, I have, you know, I have, again, I have my favorites at every distillery. I'm, I'm a big fan of wild turkey. I've got an empty Russell's Reserve barrel in my apartment. In fact, sitting there right now is a display. Um, I love the McKenna series. Um, you know McKenna and and the Rye, Four Roses. Like you said, I'm I'm a geek like that. I love that the infinite possibilities. And every time I go there, or every time I buy a small batch or a single barrel, it it's something completely unto itself. So, uh, you know, those are some of my other favorites. That if somebody's do you have, do you have a favorite blend like OBSK, OBSF, OESO? Not necessarily. I've had. I've had a couple different ones that, and you know, I, I like them just as much as anything else. Uh, we did one at liquor barn called sticky fingers. That was probably my favorite old forester or, uh, 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 four roses, um, selection that I've ever had. It was just delicious. Um, so, so speaking of single barrels there, yeah. what, what has changed? Because you said when you were in Oklahoma, you get to come and be a part of the single barrel selection and just in general, not necessarily here at old Forester, but what's changed in that eight to 10 years of single barrel process, man. I mean, the world caught fire with single barrel. It, it's been an interesting phenomenon in that, you know, I, I was there to obviously got into the wine thing. Cause that was what was hot at the moment back in 2008. And then, and then, beer blew up craft beer was everywhere and that's what my customers wanted so it's like hell you got to start teaching beer classes and that led to doing the cicerone thing which is like the sommelier equivalent for beer and really enjoyed the craft beer movement and everything i it it just got too big too fast there were just so many releases every week that uh, it kind of burnt me out quickly um and bourbon was 
what I love about bourbon is it's so true to itself. There's no shortcuts. You can't just pop open a distillery and have things immediately out there that you made. You know, it, it, it regulates itself almost. Um, so, you know, it wasn't quite there when we first started doing all these single barrel selections. You could go out to Buffalo Trace and Freddie's there walking you around. They line up 25 barrels, four of each, you know, four barrels of Buffalo Trace, four barrels, barrels of Weller, four barrels of uh, Eagle Rare, four barrels of Blanton's, whatever, and you, you pick one of each. I mean, it's you're lucky to get on the list for one of those nowadays. Um, You're lucky to make it out alive. It sounds like in those days. (laughs) Well, yeah, no, it was, it, it sounds like uh, a lot of fun, but you do these barrel selection death marches, you know, you do two or three distilleries in a day, uh, tasting 20 barrels at a time. That's, that's work. I don't care what you say. No, absolutely. Um, so it's, it's been this whole phenomenon where just flavor, I think it all started with like this food network movement, you know, food network came online in 93 and America was kind of meat and potatoes and cheeseburgers back then. And then you get these celebrity chefs and then all of a sudden even fast food joints are getting chipotle mayo and flavor is trending bigger and bolder. And then the craft beer movement comes in and you get these huge gigantic IPAs that are 100 plus IBUs and they're just hops 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 so the American palate if you will or anybody's interested has kind of just been turning towards bigger bolder more 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 and bourbon obviously fits in that wheelhouse so the bourbon boom caught fire plus the whole transition to not fake uh you know vodka and flavored vodka was was king and you get to Fruit Loops and Marshmallow and all everything, and then it collapsed because you get more millennials that are starting to reach the drinking age, and they don't want imitation flavors and everything that are half the bottle, and they start transitioning to something that is pure and true, which bourbon fits that bill exactly. Mm-hmm. And I, it's just been interesting. You have all these factors that I think have played into it, and not only bourbon catching fire, and you know, then single barrel starts to grow and grow, and barrel strength, especially, I think, is everyone thinks they want it now. They 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 want barrel proof or they want higher proof, and continuing the trend of bigger, bolder, uh, bigger. But you know, now it's not celebrity chefs anymore. You have master distillers, the master tasters that are becoming these quasi cult celebrities. You know. And they're in magazines and in newspapers and articles, and you see them drilling into a barrel and this beautiful stream of bourbon coming out into a Glencairn, and everybody thinks that that's how the master distillers and the master tasters drink their bourbon, is it barrel-proof? Which, it really, nothing could be further from the truth. They're taking it down all the way to 40-proof when they're analyzing and batching and everything like that. But what i love about barrel strength and i and i agree with with these higher proofs is it really comes down to filtration that's the back end that nobody really knows about when we're doing a 90 proof single barrel per fda regulations it has to sit and be swirled around on activated carbon for 12 hours when you go to 100 proof that falls to two hours 
you're at a sixth of the time. And at barrel strength, zero. Uh, basically, all you're doing is filtering out the char that fell off the inside of the barrel. So it is, it is that pure, purest expression of the bourbon that came out of the barrel. And that's what drinkers are looking for now. And the great thing about it is you can tinker around with it. You add a drop of water, see how it changes. You add three drops of water, see how it changes. It's, it's this whole concert of different flavors, and you can proof it down and drink it how you like it. Josh wants to take it all the way down to 90. He can do that with a barrel proof that's unadulterated, still retains all those fatty acids and lipids and these flavor and aroma molecules that you're looking for. And I think that that to me is what's so enticing about the barrel proof product is the fact that I can make it whatever I want it to be, right? It's already already hot, and if I want to add an ice cube, I can. And if I don't, I can drink it straight. If I want to mix it, you know, I can mix it with a little bit of this, and it— and it still holds that robust flavor, you know, that it started with because it's it's just more of it, you know, to begin with. So I think that's been the big thing about me and in, in, in my transition. I was a home brewer for years, so Oh yeah. So Kindred Spirits. So moving from that to, you know, bourbon was mainly out of necessity of, hey, I, I don't want to drink as many calories. I, I always felt full after drinking a whole bunch of beer because I'd mainly only drink porters, stouts, you know, things mm-hmm. like that. So uh, it was it was a natural transition because I like big flavors like that to move to, you know, the bourbon side. And not that I haven't always been a bourbon drinker, but I definitely drink a heck of a lot more of it now than I did 10 years ago. So, you know, every time we sit and we have this conversation about the science of it and the filtration and the the engineering to it, engineer by by education here, I wish I would have known at about 16 or 17 that man, you should go into chemical engineering or chemistry and go be a master distiller because that, or a distiller, because I know it takes a whole lot to gain that title of master distiller. Uh, that's what I would, if I had the opportunity to go back to college and, and do it again, that's what I would do. And that's what I tell my daughter. You need to go be a chemical engineer. You could be the master distiller man, for me. Yeah, it's, yeah, I live vicariously. And, and you know, Especially when, I don't know how old you guys are, but when we were coming up, that's a, that's a hell of a good idea. But again, now it's gotten so competitive that, but really, truthfully, it, your daughter is a great, great option. You see, you see all these uh, positions that the women are starting to fill, Jackie, Elizabeth, Marianne, Barnes, um, and it's not has nothing to do with just women filling the positions. The fact is they have much better palates than we do. Uh, dating back to the caveman days, women have 30 to 50% more taste buds than men do. I mean, Og the caveman comes home with a rancid leg of meat or a mushroom that's poisonous or whatnot. He may eat part of it and keel over, but mom who is with baby can taste that something's off or something's wrong. She doesn't eat it and the whole human race survives. So, you know, they still have to, uh, no matter who you are, you still have to train your palate. But if you are a woman who is blessed with that right balance of taste buds and, and, and you get your palate trained, you know, I can't, I've known several female master sommeliers and, you know, master tasters and whatnot. And I can't hold a candle to them even with 12 years of sommelier experience or whatnot. 
uh, they'll taste me under the table every time. Right now, I'm just wishing I hadn't burnt my roof of my <laughs> mouth yesterday with hot black coffee so I could be tasting everything. Yesterday, I, I poured a cup of coffee, and I was too eager to get to it, and mouth just burned. Yeah. Hey, yeah. High-proof I bourbon doesn't feel good on that. I, I agree 100% with what you're saying, though. Like, it's it's A, it was shocking to me, you know, because, like I said, I've been drinking bourbon for a long time. My wife hates it. She won't. I mean, I've taken her to multiple bourbon events. We've bought tickets and things, and she's always, like, sip, sip, and she's, like, you know, the the ugly face and things like that. And, and I, I, I'm trying to get her to turn, make that turn, but it's just she's never gotten there. But the women that I know that drink bourbon, like, they're always like, oh, man, do you taste this? And do you taste that? I'm like, well, I didn't a I second didn't, ago, but now it, yeah. I do. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just really weird because I, I totally 100% agree with you on that piece. So uh, so I'll tell you what, I, I think I'm going to cut us a little short today because I want to leave a little bit for the next time that we come over and visit, you know, because uh, I, I don't want to eat up all your time tonight either. Plus, I want to drink a little bit while we're off off uh, mic. So yeah, if people don't wanna, have to pull my arm, if, if, if people want to get a hold of you, do you want to do a little 30 second commercial here and then we'll close out from there? Yeah, I mean, best way to get a hold of me. That's the unfortunate part now. Uh, I'm always open to email. T-Y-L-E-R underscore M-I-R-T at B-F.com uh, is the best way to get a hold of me. Um, haven't gotten, you know, I'm kind of old school. I don't I do not do a lot on Facebook and Instagram. I, w- I will if I need to. But uh, <laughs> don't have the famous I'm, like. I'm more of a purist. Um, Tyler M. At, yeah, you know, exactly. like that, huh? Exactly. Right. But, you know. We're just hoping to get back open, at least in some capacity. And if you haven't been uh, out to the distillery, haven't gotten the opportunity, even if you've done the whole bourbon trail, I will say it is worth it to come down here to downtown Louisville. And when, if, you know, when we do get back open, come see the entire process. You get to, you get to see it beginning to end. You get to see how a barrel is made and coopered. Uh, which is something you can't see anywhere else and would be happy to have you. So just looking forward to getting back to normal, some form of normalcy here soon. Good deal. Good deal. So, Hey, and if you want to reach us at bourbon barrel talk, you can find us on Facebook uh, at our website, www.bourbonbarreltalk.com. And you can find us on Twitter and Instagram. This is Scott Minton, Josh Hillman, old foe fanboy. Oh, and Tyler. Thanks everyone. Thanks. Bye-bye.